0: Welcome to Running Bias. This is Zach. This is Ben. And we're back. Uh, This was uh, kind of late in the week for us. We usually like to record around anywhere between Monday to Wednesday. I was out on vacation, though. Uh, But we're back to talk about some of the games from Week 6 and talk about some games we're looking ahead to in Week 7.
1: And uh, don't forget to rate and review wherever you're listening. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. Tweet at us, uh, at Running. Uh, we want to hear back from you and hear the feedback. I should be getting an Instagram started this weekend.
0: Oh, is that, that scheduled for this weekend? That's exciting. We only brought it up a month ago.
1: Yeah, with right on track. That's right. <laughs> so, anyways, week six. This is kind of, for me, like week two. A mm-hmm. um, little bit of chaos. And for us, personally, how we kind of judge we're in a pick'em league. Right. It kind of forces us to pay attention. This, that, and the uh, podcast actually force us to watch games outside the SEC, which is good. I mean, you get to know teams outside the country, um, the good, the bad, the ugly. And uh, this week was kind of brutal for the whole league, except for kind of like week two, there were just some upsets that were surprising, to say the least. I think uh, two really stand out for me, and that's uh, Oklahoma State going down to Texas Tech and Virginia Tech beating Miami.
0: Both of those blew my mind because when I, when you watched Oklahoma State play Texas, they played competitively. We actually brought that up when we talked about that game initially. That Oklahoma State does play Texas competitively year after year, no matter how bad Oklahoma State is or how good Texas is. That's always a close game. But after watching them play and seeing how competitive they were, and in fact they got ranked, um, you know, Oklahoma State kind of seemed like one of those teams that might be on the rise. They play Texas Tech, that's been down? I mean, I could say they've been down because Kingsbury's not there anymore. You know, the, the program's yeah. kind of in flux.
1: The only games they've won this year have been Montana State. I think it was Montana State and like UTEP. They got destroyed by Oklahoma, which Oklahoma's a good team. That's not much of a surprise, but they've struggled on offense, which has been kind of different for Texas Tech. But right. for me personally, I kind of look at I think what's surprising is it is and it isn't. Virginia Tech and Oklahoma State to me are two teams that you don't know what you're going to get any given week. Right. They're going to beat someone they shouldn't, and they're going to lose to somebody they shouldn't. So you got one that lost to someone they probably shouldn't, and so one that beat someone they probably shouldn't have. Now the argument would be Miami, not as good as we thought they were going to be. I think everyone, especially after Florida's performance this week was like, okay, they almost beat Florida, but then they can't beat anybody else. Right. I mean, you lose to a first year coach at North Carolina I mean, it's just been an ugly season for Miami.
0: Sure. I I think, and that's what kind of bugs me. I mean, we talked about Miami. I really thought Jaron Williams was going to be the guy in a couple years. We're talking about winning a Heisman. Guy's really talented, got a phenomenal arm on him. It was just his offensive line that limited him in that Florida game.
1: Well, but turnovers killed him early on. In the first three offensive series for Miami, you had a pick and two fumbles. So I think ball security will be stressed. But, uh, I hope so. They're coming off of a bye week, and it's at home. That's mm-hmm. the thing that if you're a Miami fan, you're going "Why? Like Like, right. thi- this is the best we have after a bye week.
0: And it's Virginia Tech, too. That Virginia well, Tech's so wishy-washy. Like, one week they'll be horrible,
1: and the next week they'll be
0: like, okay, we can beat Miami.
1: It's so weird. Well, and, you know, everyone was excited about uh, Manny Diaz, and you had Enos come from Alabama to help with the offense. So everyone's excited. We're going to be good this year. We're, you know – Everyone's kind of down. We're going to make a run, and that hasn't been the case. And, you know, this score at the end, it looks closer than what it really was. I mean, you're talking about Miami was down 21 nothing in, like, the first 10 minutes. Yeah. I were. mean, I turned the game off, and then I turned it back on after half, and I was like, okay, so they're making a run. You had a Hail Mary pass at the end of the half to make the score 28-7 at half. Miami chops away, chops away, comes back, gets a two-point conversion, is only down six. Gets the ball back. Scores a touchdown. Misses the PAT. Game is tied. Minute, like, it's like two minutes left, three minutes left. Let's Virginia Tech go all the way down the field and score. Miami almost got it back. Wasn't enough. But it's the same as the Oklahoma State game. The scores are not indicative of what the game is yeah. or was.
0: It's hard to take you serious with that.
1: <laughs> but, uh, anyways, these games weren't as close as the score showed it then. like, It was over from the get-go for both these teams.
0: Yeah. um, Speaking of over from the get-go, Bama didn't play this week. So do we count that as a loss? I think we should. Conference loss.
1: You wish. (laughs) You wish that was a conference loss.
0: Uh, Yeah, Bama, um, they're under some scrutiny right now. We'll look ahead to them with with A&M, but their defense is not as bad as I'm seeing. I I read an article yesterday about how Alabama's defense is, quote-unquote, shockingly bad. And I'm like, but wait, I mean, how many touchdowns have they allowed this year? You know,
1: like... No, what it is, you're thin at the linebacker, so you got a lot of young guys. Alabama's defense has just been riddled with injuries the past couple years, and everyone's used to a couple years ago where they rely on the defense. So I think it's more of people assuming off the pass what you're going to get versus what Alabama's slowly transforming into, which I don't want to see the defense go away. But I think with them having to switch, I mean, the days are gone where you saw 250-pound linebackers that are just going to be run stuffers. They're they're having to get these hybrid guys that can run down the field, that can cover somewhat, and the true freshmen, to their, you know, to give them credit, they're learning. And they're they're not playing bad. I mean,
0: no, they're playing well actually for freshmen in the SEC. And, you know, and you mentioned Duke. Duke's not a horrible team.
1: Well, and you look at Ole Miss and you're like, okay, well, you let Ole Miss score all that. Well, Ole Miss also played a new quarterback. There was essentially no film on the guy. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing that has always helped teams, I mean, it's the same thing. Tua torched everyone last year. You want one of the main reasons why? You didn't really have any film on him. Right. Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. He's not doing as well this year. Guess what? People have film on the guy now. I
0: told you last week, though I think a lot of that just to kind of go off on a tangent. I think Trevor Lawrence is a great quarterback. I think he's going to be like a, a definitely an NFL caliber quarterback, but he's too confident in his receivers downfield. And when you get that overconfidence, you make bad throws because you know your guys can bail he you out. He is
1: essentially going through what Tool was going through at the end of last year. That's what I see. I see someone who thinks no matter what, I can do what I want. Right. And, you know, in his defense, that may be because of how they won a lot of games last year. But at the same time, that will bite you in the end. Ask Alabama.
0: Well, a lot of it's who they're playing, too. I mean, so what if you throw a pick against, you know, William and Mary or whoever it is? Well, I think
1: I saw, I think going into the North Carolina game or after the North Carolina game, he's already had five or six picks. Right. I mean, that's more than Tua and Burroughs combined.
0: Well, that's, you know, Tua's got none, which I think is a really impressive stat six weeks into the season. I I know they're off this week, but... I mean, to have none and do a throw, I think it's 18 touchdown passes. Like, he's doing fine. He's doing really well. Burroughs had three. uh, A couple of them were tipped. I don't know about the third one. I can't remember it. Um, But regardless, we're looking at some really high-caliber play in some areas of the country and then other areas of the country, like Trevor Lawrence, you're seeing kind of a regression where we all thought he was a runaway for the highest.
1: But it's hard to see that because this is kind of the Clemson team you get the past couple years. They kind of... Snooze through the season, and mm-hmm. then they they peak at the playoff. Which, if you can do that, that's a great formula. But the thing that they that can bite them this year, if for some reason, they lose any game this year. They're out of the playoff. There's no one in the ACC that's good enough that if they lose a game, someone's going to go put Clemson in because you have too many teams. You got three in the SEC or you know, four right now. You got Florida, Georgia, Bama, LSU, and you can't count, you can't count Auburn out yet. Right, and then so you got five in the SEC you got Oklahoma and Texas in the big in the Big 12 mm-hmm. which at the same time you can't discount Bay- Baylor's technically still undefeated so until they lose you can't I'm right. just throwing this out there. No, yeah. Big I 10 I mean you got Ohio State, Wisconsin and if somehow Michigan can reroute the ship which they won't. No. But I'm just saying hypothetically there's at least someone on their schedule to improve on. Yeah. That's what, like you look at the Pac 12 and you got Oregon who only has one loss, and it's to Auburn, but they're, they've they struggled. Mm-hmm. I mean, perfect game. You look at this past week against Cal. That game – now, Cal, I think, is better than a lot of people thought they were going to be. I mean, they beat Washington, True. but they only win
0: 17-7. It's at, not convincing. At home. And that's what I – you know, we brought up – this is actually the second time we recorded this. The Pac-12, to me, as far as their argument to get into the playoff, it's kind of hard to look at it and say – Yeah, I mean, Oregon should be in because they played Auburn at a conference and, yeah, they lost a close game. Okay, that's totally respectable. But then you get in conference and you see that Washington's losing to Stanford by 10 points this past week. And Cal. But Stanford, who lost by, like, 30 points to UCF, who has two losses this year? Yep. So if you look, if you're using these teams kind of as a barometer to see where the guys at the top sit, it doesn't prop them up very much.
1: Well, and here's the other problem if you're the pac 12 if Auburn runs the table and Oregon wins out, you're saying, well, we only lost to the undefeated team in the SEC. That's pretty good, and we lost in the last three seconds. Not saying they're going to do it, but hypothetically, Auburn loses three or four games. The best game that Oregon's going to have is a loss to Auburn mm-hmm. on a neutral site, and that's it. I mean, and that's not going to get you in. So you, could, I hate to say it, you could probably write off the Pac-12. And I was high on them going into the season – Sorry to our friends out in Portland, Oregon. I hope I'm not hurting your feelings. Yeah,
0: whoever you are, we love you to death. you listen every week. but,
1: but all, it, I'm, all I'm getting at is the sole fact that it's like what you have left on your schedule. Now, if they run the table and Auburn only loses one, two games, I'm not saying it's a done deal because there's still a lot of conferences. Like I said, Clemson loses. Say you have uh, one or two loss, Big Ten, Big Twelve. There's still you can make an argument, but Oregon has to be more convincing going through the rest of the season. This getting by barely against teams, it's not going to carry them to get into the playoff. Not when you have arguably more qualified, better teams. Even if you're just doing the eye test, I mean, right now, I mean, I know you were saying, oh, possibly three SEC teams. That's not going to happen. But I could see the argument for possibly two getting in this year, mm-hmm. depending on how it shakes out in the other Easily. conferences. I mean, look at it this way. If you have the Big 12, if they cannibalize themselves and you have a, a one- or 2 lost champion in the Big 12 with those three being undefeated right now, except or undefeated in conference play. Right. Um, and then you, somehow Wisconsin and Ohio State just go at each other and take each other out. And I, I left one out in the Big Ten, too. Penn State, that's another one that they haven't lost yet. You can't count them out yet. Now sure. they've got a big game at Iowa. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Clemson has no room for error, and if they don't, I want to see this week against Florida State them wake up because if they keep this sleepwalking, someone will get them.
0: Absolutely. And it, here's another thing to consider. So Oregon right now is ranked number 13. I think a lot of that's based on where they were ranked when they lost to Auburn, which they were in the top 10. Um, but looking at the remainder of their schedule, right, they've got to play Colorado, which is not ranked. Uh, they've got to play Washington, who just lost by 10 to Stanford. We talked about that. they got to play Washington State, who lost they got to play USC, who's kind of a dumpster fire and then also the a Cinderella. The only thing
1: that can help them is if USC somehow beats Notre Dame this week, Right. That and would then, help
0: them. And then Arizona, Arizona State, which is their last ranked game. Arizona State's ranked 18. We don't know how long that's going to last. And then Oregon State, who's absolute trash. So if you're looking at Oregon's resume to get them in, you're just hoping that nobody else goes undefeated or one loss because their schedule says absolutely nothing about here's a resume. Right. Right,
1: now, their whole schedule is basically hoping that Auburn bounces back, mm-hmm. wins out the rest of the season, because then it looks good.
0: Right. But, you know, I think that's a phenomenal way to jump into Auburn, Florida, which was, I think, the biggest matchup going into the weekend. You had two top ten teams duking it out in the swamp. Uh, I know, w- you know, we had Stretch on um, a couple weeks ago, and I think, you know, we were all pretty high on, on Auburn winning this game. Um, it was kind of a big surprise to see Florida take it I mean what did you see when you watched the game
1: I mean it was ugly a lot of turnovers both sides Um, Florida's offensive line I think that's going to be the biggest problem especially this week against LSU Auburn now arguably you could say Auburn has the best defensive line that they'll face and they showed that this week a couple sacks um, fumbles recoveries I mean big man about ran it in for Auburn that big uh, defensive tackle but you saw this week with Auburn Bo Nix was a true freshman you right. saw that he took a couple sacks they were in field goal range for one and he took like a 20 yard sack can't do that mm-hmm. you know he's uh, I think you mentioned it like you have routes where you got two receivers going downfield being covered by uh, you know a corner and a safety both of them and he's thrown into double coverage whoever he throws to and he's doing it anyway
0: well I think that and that to me you know, I don't
1: think that's an indictment on Nick. though. So I think that's no. an indictment on the coach. Exactly. You look at Malzahn, and you got to put your freshman in a situation that he can win. So, <laughs> sorry, but that but, was unprofessional. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. My co-host is so bored with my analysis, he's just starting to watch videos. No, I'm pulling
0: up the Florida, uh, Florida-Auburn Florida uh, game cast here.
1: Just well, gonna... but you look at that game. Florida, their defense looked phenomenal. Offense, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't pretty. But they got it done. Right. I mean, that uh, early touchdown helped. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, when you had when you had your quarterback go down, I think it was in the second quarter. I was like, okay, this game's over. Like right. they're not doing it with their third string quarterback, which he came out and actually made a good run. They got a field goal off of it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I, I mean, I liked what I liked what uh, Dan Mullen did there because he was like, all right, I got my third string in. I know my second string quarterback's coming back in. He's led the whole team. We're gonna be okay. Let's just get the points and take it. And that's something that Malzahn could have learned from because he had two times he could have taken the points and he tried to force it. Right. And if you do that, that could be a different ball game. Oh, yeah. Well, not only that, the only thing that was just mind-baffling in this game was when the punter for Florida decided to fake it and try and get the first down on his own, like, 30 or 40. Oh, Lord. And took a sack and gave Auburn the ball on, like, the 40. Mm -hmm. And immediately Auburn scores a touchdown. So you take that out. Auburn's not even really in the game right. other than the turnover. So, offense did not look good at all. It was – Auburn's defense is the only thing that kept them in this game. Right. You'd make the same argument for Florida. But uh, I think it's more impressive what Florida did because you're playing with a second-string quarterback who, honestly, since Felipe Franks went out, has – the team looks better.
0: Yeah, he's been serviceable. I mean, he, he's a decent quarterback. Like, he's 19-31 this game, 230 yards, two TDs. It's not – it's not draftable, but, I mean, for me, you know, if you look at Bo Nicks, right? Like, I've been saying this all year. Bo Nicks is a great freshman quarterback, right? He's got a good arm. He's got some bad tendencies that I guess he, he got picked up in high school. But he's not bad. He's it, But when you force him into a bad situation, which Florida did, he's, he's prone to make errors. When you give him a third down and 10 and you throw two wide receivers out, and that Florida's got four defensive backs covering them,
1: you're not going to complete well, that. Well, that's like I saw one play where <clears throat> where he tra- Bo Nix tried to run for it for the first down, mm-hmm. and he missed it by like a yard, and Malzahn's like right in his ear when he gets there. I'm like, dude, who do you have to throw to? Right. Like you're jumping on his case. That was actually the best thing he probably could have done. Like to me it was. It looked like he was taking out his own frustrations on why his offense wasn't working out on Nick's. Now Nick's made some, like I said, some – rookie mistakes mm-hmm. but that's to be expected he's a true freshman and you got to understand that as a coach you can't right. just assume that he's going to play like a three-year starter i think we all agreed that he's only going to get better next mm-hmm. year he's going to be dangerous oh yeah and it's not he's not dangerous this year it's just he's got a while to go but i like seeing kyle trask come back from that you know the injury i mean he played on a sprained mcl like the whole game right um we'll see how he that affects him this week but kind of remind me of the Alabama LSU games when Mettenberger got hurt and, right you know crawled off the field He was like you know you're not you know you're not carrying me that's what I felt like when I saw Trask and it was kind of cool seeing him not only come back but come back and win right which you couldn't do right thanks yeah but it hurt a little bit I think if you're an SEC <laughs> fan and these weren't either one of these weren't your teams it was a really fun game to watch it was the build-up that you know the intensity of it was really good. Mm-hmm. If you're a Big Ten or a Big Twelve or Pac-12, you're like, "Oh, that was an ugly game." How can you say this is a good game?
0: Well, to that, I can say both teams had four turnovers, which is pretty hideous. No that's matter what, how you look what I meant, at
1: it. By, by ugly, but I also think that's indicative of how the defenses did play.
0: But that's, uh, to me, that's the key. And we talked about that prior to them playing. It was all about if Florida could stop Auburn's rushing attack and put it all on Bowdix then Florida would win, and that's exactly what happened. Bowie Whitlow is, beat, you know, the leading rusher in the game, 18 carries for 81 yards, not very impressive. Auburn couldn't get it going on the ground, and Florida, you know, they rightfully decided to put it all on Bo Nix. And when you, again, though, when you're making these play calls, and you're saying, okay, it's third down and ten, we're going to put two wide receivers out and keep two tight ends in the block, you're not going to beat Florida like that because. First of all, their defensive line is still going to get pressure, regardless of whether you have tight ends in or not. And two wide receivers isn't is not enough options to give Bo Nicks. They're obviously not open. That's how he threw three picks. I mean, I watched him on the highlight reel, and it was just it was sloppy game planning from Gus. I felt like Auburn didn't play to their strengths, and I feel like Florida, you know, Florida prepared for this game a lot better.
1: Uh, the game sloppy. I think the co- I think you saw. A difference in coaches too it Mm -hmm. looked like Malzahn the biggest indictment of him to me is Malzahn thinks I'm going to run my system nobody can stop me where you look at these successful coaches they say where are my opponent's weaknesses and where can I exploit them and they change it each week Mm -hmm. and it's not always drastic but they come out with something new I mean like for example Duke against Alabama in the opening game Mm -hmm. they come out with a triple option No one knew they were going to run a triple option. And it was actually fairly effective early on. Genius coaching. Mm -hmm. But Auburn, to me, like I said, it's, oh, it's our system. The system's going to work. We're going to win this way. Instead of saying, okay, we're going to plan around the fact that we have a true freshman quarterback. What are we going to do?
0: Well, and and not to mention this as well, but, I mean, you know, we talked about two wide receiver sets. Auburn's got four stud wide receivers. I wouldn't say
1: stud. I think that's a little... I they're good. I I'm mean, saying I, in comparison to the rest of the league, LSU well, has better receivers. Alabama has better receivers. But
0: I'm, I'm saying, put them on the field. Give the boy some options. Like, give him some quick passes, five yards at a time. You know, just some quick slants, just to get him comfortable. Eleven of twenty-seven is not a stat line you want your freshman quarterback to have in the swamp. That's that's terrible. Okay, and and it's no wonder Auburn didn't you know pull this out. Scoring thirteen points in the swamp ain't going to win you a game.
1: No. I mean. Maybe under McIlwain, yeah,
0: but and exactly, but you know this is a different Florida team that's making it work with Trask. Whether he's better than Franks or not, I don't know. I'm not Dan Mullen, but I can say that he's not made too many mistakes.
1: The team seems like they're behind him a lot more than Franks. It's, it seemed like when they were playing Kentucky, when Trask came in, the whole team seemed energized when he came in, which told me the whole team thought he should have been starting anyway.
0: Maybe, or they may have just been energized that. And they may have been hurt. rallying
1: around their quarterback being hurt. Now, I mean, I'm not saying they don't like Felipe Franks. It's kind of the same thing when Jalen and Tua were there. The guys loved Jalen. Right. But they knew Tua could win them games, and they just kind of stood out of it. it. was like, hey, the best one, that's who's out there. Coach made a decision, said, all right, Franks is starting. And they're like, all right, well, we like both of them, but we're going to get behind our quarterback, whoever it is. So maybe more like that. But to me, it seemed like the team was a lot more energized by the fact that Trask took over.
0: Yeah. Well, And this isn't a game that's going to sink Auburn's season. It certainly doesn't look good, but in the grand scheme of things, losing to Florida is okay. Your division rivals are still on the table. Auburn could finagle. They could still finagle an SEC championship game.
1: Well, and outside of, I mean, you could say LSU and possibly, oh, not possibly, Georgia, Mm -hmm. they're going to have pretty good defensive lines. Alabama's yet to be seen. That's probably the best defensive line you're going to face all season, realistically.
0: Yeah. I think they're going to see better secondaries than Florida's. Not that Florida's is bad. I don't want to start anything because uh, I'm...
1: I think Florida's got one of the top ones, yeah. honestly. Oh, yeah.
0: But that's when, I, when you got a good secondary... I think
1: they have one of the most complete defenses in the country.
0: When you can stop the run and make the quarterback pass into a good secondary, you're going to be winning some games. We're going to take a quick station identification break. All right, I think we've talked enough about the Auburn-Florida game. Is there any other games you wanted to discuss?
1: Well, uh, this one is not so much that I care, but it, it asks the question, is Pitt good? They, no. They beat Duke this week, 33-30. to You beat UCF. I'm just saying, I mean, beat UCF. You beat Duke, who's one of the better teams in the ACC. They're third in the Coastal right now. Now, they lost to Virginia, in the opener and they lost to Penn State, but they only lost to Penn State by seven and arguably they probably could have won that game. Yeah, it was competitive. And uh, Pitt's,
0: you know, I know you don't, you know, the word has been blacklisted from our podcast, but Pitt's like the definition of spooky. If you're on a run, you don't want to play Pitt because they, they just have a, they have this, you know, on, on Reddit, they call it the Pitt super weapon. But it picks, like, one team, you know, every year that they just obliterate, you know, and they shouldn't, and they shouldn't beat them at all, but they do. Pitt's been impressive in the big game, and I think, are they good consistently? Probably not. But they, they do have a propensity to get up for big games, and you got to give them credit for it. You know, they are winning consistently. I think they're a decent program. I just don't think you're going to see them beat, beat Clemson. You know.
1: Some of the other games I saw this week, Ole Miss um, carried on with their success on offense, uh, beat Vandy pretty heavily this past week. So I think it was 33-6. Um, wow. So, hey, if you're Ole Miss, you got to take what you can get at this point. Yeah, I
0: mean, and if you're Vanderbilt, you got to say, okay, like – Where's our program going? Because getting beat by LSU is one thing, and they put up plenty of points. There's 38 points in the LSU game. But putting up six against Ole Miss is kind of pitiful. Oh, I don't yeah. know if well, had they had They got
1: demolished that. by Purdue, too. So, I mean, their only success on offense has been against LSU, which we'll get into that uh, later on when we talk about this week. But you also had uh, – Oklahoma and uh, Texas both kind of sleepwalked this week and games were probably a lot closer than they should have been. Right. Oklahoma playing Kansas and uh, Texas, kind of take it to the second half to pull away from West Virginia.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, Kansas is one of those teams we I I thought they were going to be a lot better under Miles. I think there's just more work to be done there as far as roster, you know, filling I think he's out the doing roster. as
1: good as he can with the players he has. Yeah,
0: and I mean, you know, they beat a ranked team this year, which nobody expected Kansas to do. Granted, it was Boston College. They probably should have never been ranked to begin with, but I mean, this, at the same time this Oklahoma game was not as competitive as, as the score indicates they were tied at the end of the first quarter sure great. good for you Kansas then you know Oklahoma does what they want to do put the backups in Kansas scores um, pretty regularly towards the end of the game. you know I think they how many did they put up in the fourth quarter because it, it made it respectable, but it wasn't like the game was actually close.
1: Uh, the final of the Oklahoma Kansas game was 45- 20. So in years past that would have been 65, 66 nothing. Maybe 65-3. So, I mean, you got to say, okay.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, in in Oklahoma, when Jalen Hurts is in, they're going to score points. I mean, the guy's just so efficient right now. Kansas doesn't have the the defense to even remotely try to stop Jalen Hurts. Well,
1: And you're talking about a lead that's not known for its defense. Mm -hmm. And Jalen can't just hurt you throwing. He can hurt you running, too. And he's not this guy that's going to get 10 yards and run out of bounds. He's going to run 10 yards, and he's going to try and run your ass over. Oh, yeah. He's a bit. He's built like a fullback, or, you know, a true tailback. Like, he's, he could easily be a running back if he wanted to. Sure. Maybe not the fastest, but he could he could be a running back. If I'm
0: not mistaken, Alabama had him in some sets as a running back when they had Tua in. So, and it was really just to get both of them on the field. But Oklahoma's just one of those teams right now that they're going to make the playoff as long as they do what they got to do against Texas. But I don't know how far they'll get once they get there.
1: Well, you know, and it's funny because I hate saying, like – If you're a Tennessee fan, you should be happy. But the way they came out and kind of punched Georgia in the mouth from the get-go.
0: Yeah. Like, I texted you on the cruise. I was like, what the hell's going on? Why is Tennessee beating Georgia? (laughs) It didn't last long. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, Georgia just ended up demolishing them. But I I think Georgia wasn't expecting to get hit in the mouth from the get-go. And Tennessee, they expected Tennessee to lie down. Right. cruise through and Tennessee said nope. Tennessee
0: showed some life and I was, believe it or not you would have hated this cruise because there were more people from Tennessee than Alabama. What else
1: are they going to do? They're not going to watch football. Well they're
0: on fall break so they brought all their children which is not great but they were all wearing <laughs> ball stuff and I was talking to them and I mean most of them were just glad that Tennessee showed a sign of life you know and I mean if you're a Tennessee fan you got to say okay like yeah it's year two you know Garantano just fell off the map this Moore kid though the guy that played against Georgia, not horrible. Like I well, play him,
1: and it's not only that; it's the fact that everyone wants to cut out Jeremy Pruitt now. I don't think people get realize how much of a wreck this program was in over the past few years, especially what Butch Jones left this program as. There's, I, I think you put Saban here, and it would take a couple years for them. I mean, yeah. now Saban with his history, he would get recruits faster, sure. but you're recruiting against Alabama, against Georgia, against LSU, against Auburn. You're not going to fix that in a year. Right. You're not going to fix it in two. It's going to take three or four, even five, before you even have a chance to truly be competitive.
0: Well, and going back to it, firing coaches preemptively or, or prematurely is what led to this. You know, we, we had Fulmer get canned, you know, probably two or three years too late. But then you get Kiffin, he bells in the night. You got Dooley, you fired him after one or two years. I mean, Dooley wasn't great. But you didn't give him time to build a program.
1: Name, name a program that is a uh, true blue blood that has been successful that fires coaches every year, every two years. Can't There's say. not. Yeah. I mean, Mike Shula was not a great coach at Alabama. Probably got the job because of his dad. Let's right. be real. Yeah. yeah. There for longer than he should have been. But you know what they did? They said, you know what? We're going to give you time. That's what you got to do with coaches. Now, I, now, don't get me wrong. Alabama After Saban leaves, Alabama hires a coach and goes – 0 for 12 the first year you're getting canned right but that's the difference between Alabama and Tennessee too so
0: well and and the thing is with Pruitt like you can I can guarantee you this if you're a Tennessee fan you're listening to us which we have had a few downloads in Knoxville and so on guys like Tennessee will be better after Pruitt leaves than when he got it that that I can that much I can guarantee you yeah because he'll be the first guy that's been there for long enough to actually establish roots get some recruiting pipelines going and He's got a solid well, strategy. Well, that
1: and these guys who keep enter, entering the transfer portal. If I'm a Tennessee fan, I'm saying, all right, good riddance. You don't want to stick it out. You're not here for the the long haul. And these are probably guys that were promised under Butch Jones, hey, you're going to start. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. So you don't know how much of it is frustration with Pruitt or how much of it is frustration with, um, you know, the previous coaching staff in general. So
0: I think it's I think it's an expectation. It's like, hey, I was the guy. I was the promised the the you know the prodigal son under Butch Jones. Pruitt, you know, he comes in, he says everybody's got to work. Everybody's got to earn their keep. And, you know, and I'm not getting to start, so I'm well, going to go start somewhere like else.
1: Like I said, in the beginning of the season before it even started, they lost their best defensive tackle. It was, I think it was their best defensive tackle got hurt early on. I mean, in preseason. So, I mean, right. they're, they, I mean, you look at them just size-wise. They're not up there with Alabama, with Auburn, with LSU, with Georgia. I mean, it's going to take some time. But, like you said, they're showing signs of life, which the score doesn't show it, but that first half, If you're a Georgia fan, you're going, well, shit.
0: Yeah, that's concerning. Georgia has got to put together a complete game. I haven't seen it yet.
1: Well, and, you know, we were talking about, I think we mentioned this on the podcast, coming into the season, everyone thought, hands down, Georgia was going to have the best offensive line in the country. and it, It has not shown.
0: I mean, they're fine. But their competition, you know, the only real game that Georgia's played so far has been Notre Dame. I mean, that's the only game I can give them credit for so far. And that was a close game. If Georgia had put together a complete game where they were running the ball, passing the ball effectively, and their defense played solid, they'd have beat the crap out of Notre Dame. So it's all about establishing that run game early on. You saw last year. I keep bringing it up because everybody forgets about it. When they went to Death Valley, Georgia tried to establish a run game, and it worked on one drive. And then after that, LSU fixed it. Georgia was just floundering about. And that's the problem. You know, you can't have a one-trick pony on offense. And Fromm's good enough. Put the game on his back. Have a game plan for that. When you can't run the ball, put it on Fromm, and he can do it. But Georgia, again, you know, this shouldn't have happened. I think think a a lot of it was they were probably expecting Tennessee to lay down right out the gate.
1: Yeah, well, and uh, I'm glad to see they didn't. Mm -hmm. No one wants to see a team give up. I mean, we talked about it last week with Houston. Like, I hate seeing a team just packing it up. Better luck next year. This isn't the NFL. It's college. These guys aren't getting paid. We don't
0: want to game the system, right? Exactly. Every week should be the game of the year. And, you know, as fans, that's what we want. And for the integrity of the sport, that's what we want. But Tennessee, respectable. I mean, still got Codwallet. But, I mean, what do you expect? It is Georgia. It is a huge talent gap. If I was Tennessee, I'd be at least optimistic. You
1: have positive things you can look at. You have things that you could say, okay, we can do better here.
0: And, honestly, if the quarterback is that big of an upgrade, that could absolutely change the complexion of a few of these games down the line, like Vanderbilt. You know, Vandy's beat him a couple years when in a the row now.
1: You look at this upcoming week, they have Mississippi State. And honestly, if they come out like and play the first half or at least the first quarter for the whole game against Mississippi State, they could win that game.
0: Mississippi State's vulnerable. And and I think Tennessee's one of those teams that we talked about Missouri being a team that's, you know, which, oh, God forbid, Bryant is hurt. And I think nah, he's, he's He's going to play this week. Okay, uh, but... You know, Tennessee is just one of those teams that they don't have anything to lose at this point, right? They lost to Georgia Southern. They're dangerous. They haven't won any games because of that yet, but I think they've only lost games based on talent. So positive things, at least, you know, to say about Tennessee. Uh,
1: now, the only other game I think we, you, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention is the Ohio State-Michigan State game.
0: Yes, big matchup this weekend. Um, I think you actually told me uh, a little bit earlier in the day that after that game you'd kind of you kind of figure Ohio State might be one of the best teams in the country
1: i just think um the three elements special teams offense and defense i know every week i change on this i know i know earlier i said wisconsin well um, they're still in it i mean i think wisconsin is but the thing that worries me about wisconsin is the passing game right i think if you can take away the rush you make wisconsin vulnerable Ohio State can get after you on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, and their special teams ain't going to hurt them. Um, so I look at them. Ohio State, to me, I think they look like one of the best teams in the country right now. Right. Honestly, I'm not saying they're the best, but I, I'm at the point that I'd kind of be surprised if they lost.
0: Well, I think the, in the grand scheme of things, we are looking at Ohio State, I do think they're great. I think they're definitely a top-ten team. Their resume isn't strong, which there aren't a whole lot of teams out there right now that can say their resume is strong. Michigan State was one of those teams that not only, you know, they had to beat, Ohio State had to beat them and had to beat them well in order to be considered part of the conversation. They did that. Fields looked fine. The defense looked fine. Um, I think the biggest, you know, the biggest issue with me, and we've talked about this before, D'Antonio promoted from within. I think it was his wide receivers coach. He promoted to offensive coordinator. That may very well cost him the job. And I, you know, I say that being an LSU fan, seeing what happened to Les Miles. If you don't get in there and fix something that's an obvious problem, you're not going to
2: stick around too long. Well,
1: their offense is atrocious. There's no getting around it. Their offense is terrible. Defense is respectable. Score doesn't really show it. It's not the best Michigan State defense we've seen, but it's It's not the worst. Right. It's not a couple years ago when they won, like, three or four games. Like, defense is okay. Sure. I'm interested to see how they bounce back this week. Um, I think they
0: can do it. I mean, if you look at it like this, like looking at the box score, Ohio State scored 24 points in the second quarter and scored seven points in the entire second half. What that tells me is that Ohio State had a backup plan that Michigan State couldn't adjust to until halftime. Once they did... Ohio State with Justin Fields scored well, seven points.
1: And that's what, and this can go into this upcoming week, the games I'm kind of interested in. Michigan State's playing um, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Wisconsin's one of those teams, if you can stuff the run, what are they going to do? Right. I'm interested to see how they, how Michigan State bounces back. Because I told you, I was listening earlier uh, on ESPN, and they were mentioning, like, Michigan State in the 11 games after they just get, like, bulldozed, they've won 10 of them. Right. Now, I'm not saying Michigan State's going to win, but I think this next game is going to be very competitive. I
0: think they match up better. You look at what Ohio State does well, they pass well. Right? Justin Fields and that that spread offense, it puts up points, it looks beautiful doing it. They don't run the ball. And Wisconsin's going to run the ball. We all know that. If Michigan State can stack up and beat the run.
1: Well, you look at Northwestern. Northwestern was successful against Wisconsin because they had – eight guys in the box, and Mm -hmm. whenever Taylor got out, uh, wherever he was going, A-gap, B-gap, there were six defenders there greeting him. Now, given they finally were able to pull away, but if they had played an offense that could have scored some points that day, Mm -hmm. they lose that game. Absolutely. Now, you know, they may have been on a little bit of a high because they just beat down Michigan like nobody's, like, you know, a redheaded stepchild. Completely, yeah. (laughs) I mean, so I give them a little credit for that, but I think, I think Wisconsin is going to come in with a game plan knowing this is a team that's going to try and stop the run. Mm-hmm. Now, what doesn't help, I think the uh, weather is looking like 30, 40, uh, like pretty high winds in right. the area, mm-hmm. which doesn't help with the passing game for Wisconsin. Absolutely. Um, so this might be an old school knockout, draw out, who can run the ball better, which no. I think favors Wisconsin. A- absolutely.
0: Well, well, I think, it, I think it favors both because Michigan State obviously can't air it out. I mean, they scored 13 points this game. They're anemic on offense. But they have personnel to be physical and potentially run the ball and stop the run. I mean, at this point, it's kind of like a coin flip. Like, I don't know. Maybe Michigan State might keep up with them. Who knows?
1: Yeah, we'll see. Um, And then, uh, one, I I don't think South Carolina, they're going to hype themselves up. They're playing at Georgia this week. They're Mm going to hype themselves up. We're going to do this. Realistically, South Carolina's not going to win the game. Georgia's going to win it.
0: Well, I think you're going to see this week, Georgia's going to be like, oh, we kind of look like crap against Tennessee. First quarter, second quarter, it's on. And then we'll put the backups in.
1: Well, and like I said, the next one for the SEC, to me, Mississippi State at Tennessee. Moorhead, to me, his offense has been lethargic. People have got it figured out. Mm-hmm. I do think this is a game that if you look at one SEC game, Tennessee can win. I think this is the game. This or Vandy.
0: Yeah, Vandy, I'd say. But also, I mean, Mississippi State. But Vandy's
1: beaten the past couple of years.
0: Yep. And Mississippi State's vulnerable. You know, I don't think there's a a congruent decision-making process as far as coaches go. They're they're starting Tommy Stevens when he hadn't played in three weeks. He looks terrible, gets hurt again. Schrader comes in, looks fine. And you're like, why is Schrader not starting this whole time? He runs the offense pretty effectively. It's all about what team Mississippi State fields because Tennessee's going to be improved.
1: Well, Moorhead, he came from Penn State, right? Right. I just I think he had success with – his offense in the Big Ten and said, okay, I can do this in the SEC. And uh, the SEC said, uh, no, you can't. Right. Sorry.
0: Uh, fun fact for you, just quickly, because I'm going to catch you. Do you know who studied under Moorhead? He's currently on LSU staff. Joe Brady, the guy charged with upgrading LSU's offense. So there are similarities, but Moorhead coached at Penn State, Brady went to the Saints. Big difference there. That's where LSU's offense well, mimics the same thing. killed about but. Mississippi
1: State is it seems they're so diehard on running this speed option, mm-hmm. and they don't have the athlete at quarterback to do it. Right. And it, they're beating their head against the wall instead of saying, okay, it's not working. Let's go back to the drawing board. What can we do better?
0: Right. I don't know what the – at this stage, you're six games in, like you got to say, like, what do you switch to? You can't switch to the spread. You can't implement spread. Well,
1: and I've heard rumors um, that people are – Wondering if Moorhead's going to leave after this season. And it's one of those things that.
0: I don't know where he'd go. I mean, well, he hasn't shown They're anything.
1: saying back to the Big Ten, possibly Rutgers. I um, heard, I
0: heard, Bush Jones was interested in the Rutgers too.
1: Well, he can stay, he can stay at FIU. Um, but, anyways, back to my whole point. Bush Jones
0: is at Alabama.
1: No. He,
0: okay. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, uh, FIU. Yeah. Um, but, you yeah, no, But I mean, what
1: I'm saying is, is I think when you look at it, I, I don't think he's a good fit at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I heard this, it was on an ESPN podcast. I think it was uh, uh, Stanford, Stephen, the Bear. Right. They, you know, he, it was the Bear was talking about, oh, yeah, I don't think Moorhead's a good fit at State. And I have to agree with him. I don't think he is a good fit there.
0: I'll say a couple things to that. I think one thing is Moorhead is trying to implement a new offense that they don't have the players for
1: you can't recruit the players you need.
0: Which, that's fine. I mean, you know, if you want to say that, that's fine. He's in his second year. I'm not saying can the guy. What I am saying is...
1: I don't think can. I think he may leave on his own is what I will Yeah,
0: doing. well, sure. But here's the thing. is We forget because Dan Mullen's been there, you know, for... He was there for, what, five, six years, something like that? Mm-hmm. And Mississippi State was competitive, right? I mean, they were number one at one point until they played Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. But... It is still Mississippi State, you know? Like, people forget. The Mississippi State's not a perennial contender. I mean, they're good. It's
1: not, but I think what people have a problem with is the fact that they can they can live with... They don't like it, but they can live with being fourth or fifth in the SEC. Mm-hmm. They can't live with losing to Kansas State. Right. Um, it, hypothetically, you lose to Tennessee this week. They're not going to be happy with that. Not with Tennessee, You lose no. to Alabama, you lose to Auburn, you LSU. lose to LSU, you're not going to be... You, you know you're not happy about it but it's about what you'd expect not everyone can have a 10 win season every year especially two
0: years into an administration
1: no, but I think what they're not happy with is the fact that you're losing to teams that you don't normally you've gotten used to not losing to right and that's what I think they have a problem with now what they do we'll see um, some other matchups this week Alabama at A&M I've heard everyone oh A&M we're gonna sneak up and get sorry from what I've seen from Kellen Mond, I'm good.
0: Well, I wanted to talk about this game because uh, we were really high on A&M coming into the year, and I told you earlier today, A&M to me looked really, really good because of what how they beat LSU last year. Um, and that's kind of it. You know, they play, they, stuck, they hung with Clemson, but at the end of the day, this is not the same A&M team that they were last year. Travion Williams apparently commi- like really contributed more to this offense than we thought. In the run game, being the SEC's leading rusher last year. Well,
1: and their running back got hurt against Clemson this year, so they don't have their starting run. I mean, it seems like every game I watch of A and M, like three or four players go down in the game. Right, Uh,
0: and it may be that maybe injuries, but to me, A and M's not not competing at the level they were last year. Offensively, they're not as efficient, and defensively, they're right about the same.
1: Well, and that's the thing. Like the teams that worry me with Alabama are the teams that can either that can handle a shootout right that's why lsu scares me that's why auburn i think their defense is good enough to slow down alabama mm-hmm. um but you look at AM and to me personally i mean knock on wood i'm not trying to jinx it. i'm just saying if it turns into a shootout game because i don't think they have the defensive players to stop bama from scoring i agree but when AM is successful is when they run the hurry up mm-hmm. when they try and slow down the game everyone slows down with them they can read them they're predictable when they run the hurry up and that's usually what beats Alabama is a hurry-up shootout. Yep, that's what beats them. When you slow down the game because you don't want Tua getting this ball out to his receivers, you're not going to win that play.
0: Well, to talk to speak to that, I, I like where you went with that because it kind of it it leads into why Mond has not been as effective this year. Mond is a jack of all trades. It's, it's kind of good at passing the ball, kind of good at running the ball, kind of good at reading defenses. But when you run in the hurry-up and you allow him to make easy decisions off the cuff quickly that gets them for three, four, five, six yards at a time, a and dangerous as hell. When they slow down and, you know, you say, okay, we think a and going to run the ball here. When they run, you can stop it. When you think Kelamon's going to pass it, you can stop it because he's not that good in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I, th- I legitimately think that, you know, A&M does not have the firepower to stick with Bama, offensively or defensively. I look for Bama to not only win but cover. Um, I know I said that about South Carolina. They would have if Muschamp wasn't a coos about it. But, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, A&M is not the same A&M that everybody thought they were.
1: No, and I guess after that we'll just go to the number two team. Clemson um, is hosting Florida State. Not the Florida State we've seen I'm kind of interested, though. Florida State seems like they're starting to improve a little bit. Yep. Um, Clemson, I'm not by any means saying Clemson's going to lose this game, Mm -hmm. but I don't think Clemson's going to cover.
0: I think Clemson, uh, again, you know, speaking to uh, our conversation earlier about, you know, overconfidence, it seems like Clemson's not taking people seriously. Like North Carolina, for instance. If Clemson played to their potential against North Carolina, they'd have beat them like. Crazy. I mean, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't even been worth turning the TV on. Clemson's just not doing what they did at the end of the year last year. They're not playing with that toughness and that need to win. And I think that you know FSU, all things considered, they're not playing with the need to win either. But they have been more competitive this year.
1: Well, and they got absolutely embarrassed by Clemson last year. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I think that's why I think this game will be closer. Like I said, by any means, I'm not saying that Florida State is going to win, Right. but I think it will be a competitive game. Mm-hmm. I think Clemson will pull away in the second half, but I think Florida State's going to say, hmm, what do we got to lose? As long as we don't get embarrassed like we did last year, you embarrassed us at home, we're going to make it life hard for you at home.
2: Well, the,
0: the one thing I'll say about Florida State, it, it's never been their offense, or it's never been their defense the is the problem, it's the offense. And this is the kind of game that a defense could win you. If you can keep Trevor Lawrence, who has not played up to his potential this year, if you can keep him held to a minimum, then yeah, your anemic offense can keep you in the game. But at the end of the day it's it's not gonna be enough. But yeah, i I definitely see this being more competitive than people like to think. Um do we do we jump into it now or
1: No, I think well let's get into the uh Red River Red River rivalry. That's a a twang twister. A twung twister. <laughs> uh, the Red River rivalry with Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, <clears throat> I think Texas, the injuries on defense, are catching up with them. You saw it last week with West Virginia. They're hoping to have some of those guys back this week for the game. I think Oklahoma wins this game, but the thing you have to realize if you're Texas here is, okay, let's see what we can do. To, I mean, obviously, they're trying to win, mm-hmm. but... You play round robins, so you got to play each other once a year. If you only lose to Oklahoma, you, you know you're playing them again in the championship. Right. Unless somehow Baylor goes undefeated. <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. yeah Realistically, right. you can lose this game, but you lose it close. You know, uh, you know, at least have confidence that if you get to the championship, okay, we hung with these guys, we can beat them. I, I'm a firm advocate for it. It's hard to beat a team twice in the same season, it rarely happens. Right. So, um, I mean, not only that, um, Texas, I mean, Ellinger's a baller. Yeah. He's a good player. I I think Oklahoma's defense hasn't been tested, so that's going to be interesting to me to see what they do. And uh, I'm curious to see what Texas does with Jalen being a true dual-threat quarterback, what they're going to do with that. So um, I think it'll be a good game. I think Oklahoma will win. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, I, I think it will be a well-fought game.
0: I, to throw my two cents on it, I can't say it much better than you said it, but what I'll say is this is the one Big 12 game that I say you take a knife and you cut the team in half and you push the defense off to the side and then you push them off the side of the table into the trash can. You're not going to see a whole lot of defense this game. I think what you're going to see is Ellinger versus Hurts. Who can put up the most points the fastest? Uh, Texas was very competitive against LSU. Uh, that was a classic, awesome football game. I went back and watched it while I was on the cruise, and it was, it was just fun to watch. It was a, a true shootout. Oklahoma's defense certainly isn't better than LSU's, and LSU's isn't very good this year, at least for now. Um, Ellinger, like you said, he's a baller, man. The guy's got attitude, he's got swagger, and he can do it. He's a dual threat, too. But I think that Jalen Hurts is the more talented quarterback with more weapons at wide receiver. Although Texas has some hellacious wide receivers.
1: Well, it's all about if you can keep Lamb in check. If yep. they, if they can keep him in check, Texas has a chance. You let him run all over the field, you're going to get torched. And that's the thing. If I'm if I'm Texas, I think I would rely more on okay, beat us with a run. Right. You know, Lamb gets one or two. Big, he gets one He's big going break to. in the game. That's what I'm saying. They can't keep him pinned up the whole game. He gets one touchdown for Oklahoma. I'll take that if I'm Texas. Oh, yeah. I'm saying you're going to beat us with the run.
0: Right. And I, I haven't seen much of a run game out of Oklahoma this year. But that's year. what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm so,
1: saying if you can say, all right, beat us with the run, I think you got a good shot.
0: Where's this game at? Because I think that's going to have something to do with they it.
1: They always play at a neutral site. Is that so? I thought they always put, played at a neutral yeah, they always play in uh, Dallas. They're playing at the. Uh,
0: oh, okay, cool. The uh, uh, Jerry World. Well, the way I, it could it could go either way. It depends on which quarterback shows up. But I just feel like Oklahoma has more weapons to stay ahead to keep the points coming. I think Texas will stall out a couple times and it'll cost them the game. I really like Texas in this matchup, though. I mean, this is this is strength versus strength, and it, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I mean, this is really the Texas that. We, we've we been hoping to see for the past couple of years. I'd say they're back. They're not national championship back, but they're back. They're respectable. They're good. Any other matchups you want to talk about?
1: I I got one, but I'm going to let you get into the one you want to talk about.
0: Well, no. Let's – let's. I don't know. I the
1: can hold The only one off. I have this week that, to me, it's a tough one to pick is Penn State at Iowa. And the reason I say this is Iowa lost to Michigan this past week. They got exposed on the offensive line. Right. Um, Iowa looked – good going through the season thus far. Um, Penn State you could say has looked good, but who have they played? So that's what makes it interesting to me is, is Penn State that good? Is Iowa, you know, are they really good or did they just get exposed against Michigan and they can't recover? And that's what I'm curious to see is I mean, for me personally, like I, I think Penn State will win, but I'm kind of starting to lean towards Iowa a little bit. I it's
0: hard to call Iowa because they're so up and down, I, but they're at home too. That's another reason I'm kind of, yeah, I, here's the thing. Iowa's is, is so unpredictable because the way their offense works, it, it relies on the run game. It relies on being able to chew clock. And I honestly can't tell you if they're going to be able to do that this week against Penn state or not. Penn state's bit kind of down comparatively. Like, comparatively the last couple of years. I know they're undefeated, but this seems like a, a low-scoring affair where both teams kind of maybe score 20, 24 points. Um, but, you know, Michigan, or uh, Michigan, Penn State's one of those teams that they rely on being able to have balance offensively. They rely on on a, on a solid running back that leads into the play-action pass, and I'm not sure they have the quarterback to do it. Um, I'm not sure they have the running back to do it either. Uh, Iowa is kind of a mixed bag insofar as they look good throughout the year so far outside of the loss to Michigan. Still a close loss. But to me, if you're comparing Michigan, I honestly think they will lose to a couple more teams.
1: Well, I think Michigan exposed with Iowa the fact that they overloaded blitzes and we're just getting all over Stanley. Right. I don't see teams getting away with that the rest of the year after this week they're going to have a game plan for if we start seeing them overload the box for a blitz this is what we do right so it's one of those things that worked once probably not going to work again and that's why i'm kind of in about it because the thing you saw with pitt pitt held penn state to 17 right if pitt can hold you to 17 i have a hard time believing iowa can't hold you to 17
0: right and Iowa's consistently got a good defense i mean that's
1: but that's my whole point is for who they've played you could argue that Penn State's toughest opponent thus far has been Pitt. Right. Who held them to 17 points. Mm-hmm. Not saying Michigan's a world beater, but Michigan was at home. Right. was at home. You're coming Mi- off a tough loss. You had some things to work on. You maybe have a little bit of fire, but we'll, we'll see.
0: <laughs> Your dog's in my lap. Hmm. Stella,
1: lay down. Um, you traitor. Let me jump in
0: the last game here because – I'm excited to sell. I think this is college football Saturday. This is one of the best matchups we've seen so far. Um, LSU, Florida, in Baton Rouge for the first time in two years. Uh, outsiders' opinion, Ben, how are you looking at this game? Because this is the number five versus the number seven.
1: I have a hard time believing that Florida compared two of these games together. I think you got an emotional win at home. You It took everything you had to beat Auburn. You're going to the Swamp. At night.
0: The other swamp.
1: Yeah, well, sorry. The <laughs> sorry. Bayou Bengals. Yeah. You're, you're going to Baton Rouge. You're, you you got to handle Death Valley at night. hmm I say the swamp. They're both swamps. That's what I said, the other swamp. Uh, but uh, I just, and it's a quarterback with Trask. He had a sprained MCL. He's going to be better, but you get someone chasing him all night, takes a couple hits. I just don't think that bodes well for Florida. And at the same time, I mean, Burroughs... He's looked good, and the one thing you saw with LSU this past week is Utah State, they look to have shored up their defense a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now, this is Utah State, but Florida, by no means, is a perennial offense. Like, they're not someone who terrifies me on offense, Mm -hmm. and the one thing that has torched LSU has been the pass. It had not been the run. It's been the pass. Now, when you look at Florida, they like these quick slants. You got good corners at LSU. Right. They're going to jump one of these before the night's over if you keep throwing these quick slants. Absolutely. They're going to jump one eventually. And once you take that away, what do you got? Because they're not throwing downfield very often. Well,
0: I'm going to bring my – you know, I you know, I don't do this a lot. I'm a big LSU fan. I, I know most of the players on the roster, definitely all the starters, and I've watched their progression throughout the year. LSU's defense has been the question mark so far. We all know the offense is putting up 40, 50, 60 points a game. That's exciting, but the question mark has been, you know, when you get into tough SEC play, can the defense hold back another offense? When you look at if LSU can beat Alabama, it's going to be defensively. They're probably going to be able to put up a few points against Bama. So, But what I liked so far, we saw it the last game. We saw it the game before that against Vanderbilt. LSU has started getting those interceptions in the secondary. The secondary is getting more confident. Stingley the number one rated quarterback in the class of 2019, has looked like an absolute veteran back there at corner. Um, not only that, but uh, Kerry Vincent was a five-star corner. He's playing the nickel spot. He got him in an interception, and Grant Delpit had an interception this past week as well. The defense is getting confidence to create turnovers. The secondary is finally getting in the right spot to make those turnovers happen, and they're focusing on the fundamentals of tackling and open space and things like that, which are things that cost them against Vanderbilt. I honestly believe Florida has the advantage insofar as Florida's defensive line is not going to give up the run game. Like, they're going to have that in the back. And LSU's run game has not been what it's been so far.
1: No, this game is going to be one in the trenches. And the question is going to be, can Florida's defensive line duplicate what they did against Auburn? Can they get pressure on Burroughs before he can get the ball out? Because, to me, LSU, if you want to make Florida back up, you have to do what Auburn couldn't, and that's establish a run game. Right, And like you said... LSU hasn't done – I mean, to me, there's no one in the SEC who has really established the run game. I mean, you could argue Georgia. You could argue Florida, but Florida's not doing it effectively. No, Florida's and not running the that's, ball. That's a weird for a league that has usually been run heavy. Right. You haven't really seen the established run that you've seen in the past in the league, which that's more of the times where offenses are going. But um, not to say there's not good backs and you don't have, you know, teams that can run the ball, but not what you've seen in the past. So right. I think it'll be similar. Now, is a big favorite in this game, but, you know, I listen to a lot of different podcasts. I haven't heard anyone say, yeah, Florida's got it. Like, I think everyone's kind of conceded, okay, they got their, their win against Auburn, they're not getting it against LSU, especially first time at home in two years, or three years. This will be the first time in three years. Kind of a revenge game, too.
0: Right, big time. Um, and look at it, like you like your obscure stats. Florida has never beaten two top 10 teams in consecutive weeks so there you go but the way i see it is the offense that lsu runs is different than auburn's auburn as we said ran two wide receivers the majority of the game lsu's running four and five you can't cover four and five and the the dropback's a two-step drop for burrow well it's,
1: and the argument you can make too lsu has much better secondary than auburn does right and that's not a slight at Auburn. Auburn has an amazing defensive line. Mm-hmm. Their weakness comes in their secondary. Right. They started picking on one of the corners against Auburn. He had a pass interference call, I think, two plays in a row against mm-hmm. Florida. Right. They found a weakness. They started picking on it. And I don't know if they're going to be able to find that weakness against LSU.
0: I think the big thing is this happened. You know, this is the key to the game, seems like, every year. If Florida runs the ball and can slow down LSU's offense, then Florida can stay in the game.
1: But, see, the thing they haven't seen from LSU is this explosive of an offense. Right. They haven't played this explosive of an offense all year. When, all I, year.
0: when I think you're quick and I think you're taking two-step drops and you're hitting the five-yard slant and you're getting it to those playmakers out wide and it's a clean pass, it's hard to stop. I mean, the run game's not. Now,
1: the only thing I will say in Florida's defense, now what you're saying is right, but... It's hard for me to say that Burroughs is truly going through his progressions when that happens. He's picking a receiver, or he's looking at a matchup before the play starts and saying, this is who I'm throwing to. Right. There was a specific play that Auburn had where they ran a guy, and Florida was running the zone, and they actually jumped the route one-handed interception. Beautiful play. Right. Um. I think you could see the same thing, like I said, about LSU jumping the slants. Mm -hmm. I can see Florida's defense jumping a couple, too. But I think you can change that by – LSU can't just have these quick passes. Right. You're going to have to go downfield, and you're going to have to run the ball. If you just try and do one, both these defenses are going to jump you. Mm -hmm. But if you force the ball downfield, if you run it and you have the quick slants, uh, it's going to be hard for me to –
0: Well, I told you, too, I think one of the ways LSU is going to try to bolster the run game is by getting Burrow involved more. Uh, He ran more against Utah State, actually had a rushing touchdown. Um, Burrow's a good runner. He's not speedy by any means. He's not a Jalen Hurts or, you know, a Kyler Murray. But he's big and he's tough to bring down. I think if you're looking at a third and four and you're thinking, okay, LSU's going to go into pass because they have to, Burrow can take that four yards and he can get it. He's he's quick enough and he's tough enough. He can get it. Uh, Florida's secondary, you know, to give him a compliment, even though I hate him. Florida's secondary is probably one of the few secondaries year in, year out that can be compared to LSU's along with Ohio State. Um, and I think, you know, this game will be tough. It's not like LSU's going to run all over
1: all Well, but Ohio State has had – the thing that I think has made Ohio State have um, a lot more success this year is the fact that um, they're, they're running a lot more zone demand this year. Right. So it's given this secondary time to actually look and mm-hmm. jump on plays. I think that's why they're being successful. I think that's why you look at teams like LSU and like Florida. They run a lot of the zone because they trust their defensive line up front to stuff the run. They're not getting sucked in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes us – that gives you the chance to have successful corners when you know you have a defensive line that's going to stuff the run. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, like I said, I think the biggest matchup to me that I'm excited to see is going to be that Florida defensive line against LSU's offensive line, who hasn't been I'm truly not exci- tested. I'm
0: not excited to see
1: that. <laughs> I, well, for me, as a bystander, I don't care one way or another who wins. I, I'm excited to see that matchup because Texas got some pressure. Oh, yeah. And if Texas can get some pressure, I think Florida can get some pressure. Sure.
0: I think, for me, I'm excited to see the secondaries go up against each other, largely because I know LSU has an advantage quarterback-wise. Trask has been fine. We talked about him earlier. He's serviceable. He's making smart decisions, but I don't think he's really gelled into the offense like Burrow has. This is Burrow's offense. He, he looks more comfortable than any LSU quarterback I've seen in 10 years. So, you know, I think LSU wins. They could cover, probably not, but they could. Um, but I think it's going to be a really, really awesome game to watch at night in Death Valley. This is like a top tier SEC matchup in week oh, 7. Oh,
1: This is the most exciting game of the weekend, hands down. It's not even close. So, I mean, I, I think if you're going to watch one game, it, it, regardless of your conference, your fan, whoever you pull forward, like, this is what you got to watch. It's
0: going to be mean. There's going to be some personal fouls. There's going to be some holdings, some face masks. Oh, you're going to see. these teams hate each other. Yeah. Dude. So like, it,
1: they absolutely hate each other. And, you know, you could say that about any team, but, I mean, Outside of Alabama, I don't know if there's a team LSU hates more. Oh
0: than no, Florida. I, th- I honestly think they hate Florida more than Alabama. I mean, just because Alabama's beat them, sure. Hey, we lost to them eight games in a row. They hate Florida. I mean, d- Florida hates. Really, there's a yeah, lot oh, of
1: talk, yeah. and there's a lot. of there's a
0: lot of who's DBU, you know. And I don't think LSU can really state, you know, lay claim to that yet. But I think with Stingley coming along, their uh, flot is actually from Sarah Land. I think he's he's going to do pretty well, um, and Delpit. I think LSU's defense takes a step forward here, and Trask, it may be too much for Trask. It really depends on if Florida can run the ball. But I see LSU, I see them covering. You don't see them covering. That's kind of how we look at it. Like you said, if you had one game to watch this weekend, watch the LSU-Florida game. It's going to be a blowout. I
1: just don't think it'll be a blowout.
0: No, no, I didn't say blowout. I just said I think they'll come.
1: I consider two touchdowns and blowout.
0: <laughs> oh, come on, man. You, give, me, give me the 13 points, Ben. Uh, okay, okay.
1: But, but anyways, thanks for listening this week, guys. Like I said, should have an Instagram up and running. Hopefully that'll boost our numbers a little bit. Hey, if you're listening, if you have a team that you want us to talk about more, something you're interested in, conference. I mean, it can be a non-Power 5. It can be FCS. We won't be knowledgeable, not that we're knowledgeable about FBS, but, hey, we'll try.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we have viewers from all over the country. Uh, We keep track of it every week. We have listeners in Portland, and we had some in Baton Rouge. We've had some up in Washington, D.C. this past week. Um, It's been a lot of fun just with this side project that we've started. Um, And, you know, we're excited. If you have friends that are looking for a casual podcast that kind of touches on everything college football, point them our way if they like it cool, if not cool. But, you know, we've enjoyed spending time with you guys. Um, Thanks for listening. We look forward to talking to you next week. And it's still terrible. Go Tigers.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?